Okay. All right. So, okay. I'm trying to remember. So they, when they call in, I have to click the record. Wait. Okay. Here, here it is. So I'll click the record button when they call in and it'll start recording. Hello. And City Soccer Show featuring Will Conwell, Kip Kaskard, and I'm your host, Dan Adams. All right, Will, recap of the Sounders. Let's start with you. Well, I mean, that was a crazy game, and it probably ranks up there in the uh, all-time crazy games for the Timbers, certainly sorry, in sorry, the MLS sorry. era. Sorry. Will, can you cover both matches, please? Is that possible? No. <laughs> I'd like to – can we cover that whole series just briefly? Is that okay? <laughs> uh, yeah, we're, we we're, we're, out of, uh, we're We're out of practice. I mean, Okay. Let me let me start this over and I'll throw it to you, okay? <laughs> okay. All right, Will, let's start with the Sounders. Well, that was quite the series, uh, culminating in one of the craziest games the Timbers have ever played. Uh, I mean, starting off, honestly, looking back at it, <laughs> uh, the first game is almost hard to remember uh, because of how absurd the uh, the finale was. Um, but you know when you can kind of push past the uh, the extra time, the the back and forth, the penalties, uh, and think back, um, you know you're looking at a uh, a Timbers team that kind of put it all together in the end and took down the hottest team in the league in, in the first leg uh, and then did what needed to be done in the second. Um, you know, it was, uh, it was pretty much a classic. Uh, now I was up there for the second leg uh, in Seattle. Um, if you watched it at home, Dan, what, what was your experience watching the second leg? Uh, it was intense and very up and down. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I was I was watching not as an analyst but as a supporter, and uh, there were moments of despair. There were moments of sheer excitement. Uh, you know, normally in a match like that, the later it gets, the more nervous I feel. Um, but, you know, I, I, w- I want to check with Kip on this. But for me, after we came out of halftime and as it rolled toward the end of, you know, the first 90 minutes, I started gaining in confidence that it was going to end well. Would you? What, what was your experience, Kip? Um, <clears throat> it was kind of all over the place, to be honest with you. I mean, where I got – I mean, going back to leg one – the fact that we fell behind early 
so we kind of got knocked. We kind of got knocked around in that first ten minutes. Uh, Rui, Rui dies, and I know I'm mispronouncing it, but hey, he's not one of our guys, so I don't care. <laughs> Uh, he got the first goal, and then it's almost like a switch went off to watch the Timbers, because I really did think in that first half of leg one, that was probably the most inspired bit of soccer that I've seen from the Timbers in, in quite a while. It was like they fell behind, but then they just made the decision to press. Um, Bobasi and Blanco had amazing goals. And then really the the second half was just this slugfest of back and forth. And I, and I remember thinking at that point, we need to get a third. That that to me would have been the, the confidence point. And the fact was is that it was very tactical at that point. So we still had we still had the goal advantage. But then, you know, going up to um Flounderlands on Thursday, it was back forth back forth first half um kind of um tactical and then all right first goal for them um blanco it just the emotions were all over the place because it seemed like every time that we every time that they did something we countered it and that has not there have been some parts of timber's history where that always hasn't been the case um, I did have more confidence when we went into uh, penalties. I, I really did think that we had a better, a, extremely better than average chance of, of winning it at, at that point. Um, but, you know, my nerves were pretty much shot. And the thing was, I, even days afterwards, I'm, I was still in shock about how that whole thing ended because it just, it didn't seem real. And I, I had the same reaction after double post. And I know a lot of people on social media were all about, you know, reactions of the double post. I actually went and found my old blog entry for the double post. And I said the same thing at the point. It's like, I, I don't think I've witnessed anything as crazy as the double post match. And then sure enough, we get, a encore in leg two. <laughs> I mean, you know, thankfully I'd went to the gym and so my, you know, my heart was up for, uh, <laughs> my heart was up for all of the stress. <laughs> when you, uh, when you saw that Lucas Milano was stepping up to take the first penalty kick, uh, what did you think in that moment, Kip? I actually, because of his miss or the the shot with Fry, uh, Fry right in the second half stoppage, he seemed very dialed in. I, I really, I, I really thought that it was going to go in. The one that I wasn't really surprised about, and you know, I'm going to throw Ridgewell under the bus, but what the hell? It just like he was trying to do something tricky <laughs> or, or something. That was the only one where I was just like that. He just didn't look confident in taking the shot. Can I ask because, a question on that? Yeah. Like, 
I could see this both ways. I could see like you want somebody you have a high degree of confidence in going last. I could also see like you would go in the order like best to worst of your first five shooters you had the most confidence in. Like when I saw Ridgewell come in ahead of Aspria, I sort of like, you know, lone eyebrow that situation. Like, wait, does this mean that like Gio has more confidence in Ridgewell than he does in Aspria. Like I, I didn't understand that from a tactical standpoint. Can one of the two of you fill me in on why that happened in that order? At, at least uh, in mean, the con. Go ahead. Well, I, I just think that uh, sort of trying to apply tactics to uh, to penalty kicks is you know, the wrong way to phrase it. I mean, the penalty kicks are all about like who raises their hand uh, and says yes. Yeah, you know, I want whatever shot. Like after the game, uh, I think on the Seattle side, I think Schmetzer was saying that Lodero wanted to take the fifth kick for them, uh, which, you know, it, traditionally you want your best penalty kick taker, uh, like in the, the middle, not the, the very end of where you would typically wrap up penalties. Um, so, you know, I mean, it's, it's all about the players in these situations. Uh, and Ridgewell, um, you know, he's not the guy that you generally send up to take the penalty in the game. But uh, if you think back to the double post, uh, I'm pretty sure he nailed his penalty in that one, uh, if yeah. I'm remembering correctly. No, you're right. He did. He did nail his penalty. He, though, in that particular one, he did it right. He did it right-footed. So where I okay. thought it was weird was is that he went left. He decided to go left. And I don't know if there was some scouting about Fry or what that made the choice with there. I mean, you know, you know, in the few coaches that I've talked to about um, penalties, the strategy is usually you want your most confident player to take the first shot to then set the tone for everybody else. And then, as Will said, you want the fifth one to be the one that has the best statistical um, conversion rate. Because usually, at the end of five, that's that's when, um, you know, you, you have the first five, and so any um, decisions are usually made at that point, and then it goes sudden death after that. So at least from that standpoint, I could see where Geo, you know, after you know, Milano, at least from what I've heard, has been really working on his confidence. And so I'm not surprised that he would have been the one to step up and say, hey, I want to take the first, I want to take the first run and converted it um, pretty, converted it easy, easily. And then knowing Aspria, and this is crazy thinking about Blanco and Valeri, who have been very, very good. But the fact that that Aspria just has that, that um, playoff playoff swagger to, for lack of a better word, he just came in and nailed it. So um, there, there isn't, there isn't a Bible to it, I, but I think, you know, confidence is part of it, but then the other you know, you know, it's you want to make sure that that first one gets made because I recall back in the USL days of the Timbers being uh, against Atlanta in one of the uh, um, playoff series, and uh, Andrew Gregor 
we'll we'll drop a name here, was the first shooter for the Timbers after 120 minutes in their playoff series. And they shot at the what is now the south deck um, of goals. And Gregor showed up with a whole lot of confidence, and he basically Chris Boyded it right out. And <laughs> you could tell that the entire Timbers team lost confidence, and the thing was they were knocked out. And the fact was the Timbers that year were a very decorated team and really were counted on to do pretty well. But, you know, your first shooter comes in there, chunks it, and the the rest of the guys just didn't recover from it. I mean, looking at uh, looking at the penalties from this one, the thing that kind of stands out to me is just how much Dyrone Spria's penalty kind of encapsulated his play and his uh, the the way he performs in the playoffs. Uh, so you know, he steps up to the ball. Stephen Fry, you know, goes the right way. He gets a touch on it, uh, but Aspria. I mean, it wasn't a good penalty. I mean, he he put it right where Fry was going to be diving to, but he just put so much on it. He put so much into it. Like it was a it was an all effort penalty, uh, and you know, it just blew through Fry uh, mm-hmm. eventually to to finish the thing off. So I I just I thought it was a a pretty fitting penalty to uh, mm-hmm. to finish that one. Yeah, the ultimate exclamation point. So <clears throat> to both of you, uh, where does beating Seattle to advance in the playoffs, where does that rank in terms of this rivalry um, in MLS, and where does it rank in terms of this rivalry all time, just in your like in your heart? Well, I mean, it's getting kind of old, right? Like they just have <laughs> done it a couple times now, so... <clears throat> Right. No, it was amazing, uh, especially being up there in Seattle. Uh, it is very high up there. Uh, I can't think of, uh, I mean, other other than, you know, the double post and actually winning the, uh, the MLS Cup, I can't think of uh, Timbers game that was more fun to actually be at. Yeah, I I put this I'd put this high on high on the list because <clears throat> beating your rival never gets old. And the fact is is like in the playoffs we've we've been very charmed against them um beating, you know, they haven't beat us in the playoffs. I mean, they can talk all they want about other things that that have specifically occurred, but when it comes right down to it, the playoffs we are they have yet to defeat us in the two series where we've appeared against um, the Flounders. So, um, <clears throat> you know, to me, that that's telling that this team elevates their play and really shows up when it's um, us versus them. And, you know, I, I will also, I, I think the win that I'm, probably most proud of in the series is the open cup when we knocked them out up there to me that's one that i take a lot of pride in just because of 
their history was in the Open Cup, but um, this is probably a really close second. It, it like, yeah. Uh, well, I think to your point, it feels really good, and that feeling will never get old. <laughs> we could do this. You could guarantee me this will happen every year for the rest of my life, and I would enjoy each of them equally. Each precious, precious destruction of the Sounders is like a child. I love them all, and I love them yeah. all with all my heart, and none of them takes away from any other. Well, right. They were, as, as Will said, they were the hottest team in the league, effectively for the last three to four months of the season, and they couldn't be us. And many people were figuring and thinking we just backed into the playoffs and our performance showed anything but that because there was a massive amount of resourcefulness and <clears throat> good fortune within that series. So um yeah, it's it's humbling. It, it is it is humbling and awesome and um you know it's great, but you know, as 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 Gio and the coaches will tell you, we've got work to do coming up. That's awesome. All right, so let's let's talk a little about that work. Uh, Kip, can you give us a bit of a preview of what to what to be looking out for? Um, well, sporting and the timbers. This is kind of an interesting thought. I had I had to go back and look at this, but apparently, in the two games, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the two games that we've played this year, neither team has been at complete full strength. I, I do not believe that Mr. Chara has played in either of the matches. I believe that he was either serving suspensions or may have been injured, but so that's a key cog that has not been part of those um those particular matches. On the other side of it, the sporting has kind of had the same thing because they've they've adjusted their lineup. Peter Vermes has talked about moving with some different strategies, but in the playoffs, he has pretty much stuck with the two forwards and uh, Eli Sanchez kind of run in the middle of the middle of the park. And the, and the simple fact of it is that for as brilliant as sporting looked in their leg two match against Real Salt Lake, Real Salt Lake ran around and made it a pretty pretty good series. And the, a lot of the questions came into what happened to this stout SKT, uh, SKC defense. Because you've got Tim Melio, who's arguably one of the most un, underrated and unheralded goalkeepers in MLS, who has been exceptional. And that back line has been <clears throat> completely solid. But you had an RSL team that has struggled to uh, struggled to get goals and didn't even have their leading scorer because of suspension in leg two, and yet RSL made a match of it up until extra time. So it's just crazy to think about how up and down it, it was in a series, but then it kind of reminded me of the series between us and the Flounders. There was a lot of up and down, back and forth, and it really comes down to I think the two best teams, <clears throat> excuse me, I think the two best teams in the West really are battling for the conference title. And um, 
I really like our chances. I, I do. I think we've pulled it together. Um, we've pulled it together at the right time. And I think that having Abobasi emerge as a big threat um, up top has really, really helped that Timbers offense to become a little more diversified. So, Will, what do you think? Yeah, uh, I mean, I think that, uh, I mean, looking at these teams' previous matches this year is just really difficult to pull much of anything out of it. I mean, the the game in which they drew 0-0, the Timbers were without Chara, uh, Sporting were without a bunch of people, uh, and then the game that the Timbers lost 3 nothing uh, on the road against Kansas City, the Timbers were without a whole bunch of people, including uh, Chara, uh, and Sporting were, they were missing one or two guys, but uh, yeah, so... You know, neither of those games really tells you a lot about what these teams are, are trying to do and what they're capable of doing, how they match up. Uh, so, you know, you kind of have to take the longer view. And, uh, you know, over the last few years, these Timbers-Kansas City matchups have just been miserable games. Uh, <laughs> you know... You've got uh, you've got guys like Roger Espinoza and Diego Chara who are just going to shut down basically anything that happens uh, in the attack, uh, and I think that at this point we're kind of getting to the spot where it's a question of you know which team's aging defensive group uh, has lost a step versus which teams attack is is functioning more uh or functioning better at the time so you know like kip was saying against rsl skc showed some real vulnerabilities uh and the timbers i mean the timbers haven't been perfect um but you know they they have also shown a lot of uh not I don't know how I want to describe it exactly. Not not grit, but uh, resiliency, I guess, in uh, in defense this year. They've uh, they haven't always been shutting down teams, but uh, they've never made it easy for anyone. Uh, and when you look at sort of the the moments when SKC were able to really take apart RSL, uh, it was when things just kind of went wrong. Uh, mm-hmm. And when the Timbers are, you know, not in their third game in eight days or whatever, like they were against Seattle, they're a lot less prone to making the sort of mistakes that we saw giving up goals to Rui Diaz in that leg yeah. two match. Um, right. And, you know, yeah. even then the Timbers were able to do what they needed to do to get the, the job done. So, you know, I despite not having a good record against SKC this year, I think the Timbers have a pretty good shot. That being said, the fact that SKC are just able to press up top so effectively and so quickly and, and can give teams no room to breathe at times uh, does make me a little bit nervous if they get anything other than the best out of guys like Liam Ridgewell. Uh, or 
I mean, Elvis Powell seems pretty likely that he'll be playing at fullback with Jorge Viafania not back from the national team yet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so when you've got a team that's going to press you and going to make you play quickly uh, a lot or out of the back, it's uh, it is always going to be a little bit nerve wracking. So I think that's the real potential point of failure for the Timbers in this one. And uh, I, I hope it's something that they're able to deal with. Yeah, we've we've been a really resourceful defense. I think that's a good way of good way of thinking about it because either the defense has done good to block or or surround or Atanella has just been the man the man in the right spot uh most of the time. And so that that's it it's worked really well. But yeah, with sporting's ability to really quickly counter and press um, that is going to be a massive concern. So you're going to have to make sure that Ridgewell, Mabiala, Tuiloma, whomever your center backs are, are really going to have to communicate well with Atanella and cover their ground really well. And the fullbacks are going to have to really, really be mindful of being too far forward. And so Powell you know that that's going to be a that that is going to be a concern to have him. Um, you know he loves to get forward, and at least in the um, leg two, he was a lot better at tracking back. But that's going to be absolutely paramount against SKC because otherwise, um, that's it's going to be a problem. You know we're, we don't. We don't usually make predictions on Rose or Shark Show, but I am interested in like uh what are you looking for? Well, what are you what are you looking for in, in this first match to sort of um that'll give you kind of a hint of how you think it's gonna go uh or... Well, I think that uh in this one, uh I just wanna see composure from the back line. I wanna see the timbers uh, you know, Keeping the shape that they have had uh, had success with, uh, in terms of you know drawing out their their opponents and uh, not giving them a chance to to get in behind, uh, and uh, you know just for Diego Valeri and Sebastian Blanco to do Diego Valeri and Sebastian Blanco things, and uh, I, I am really looking forward to seeing. Uh, uh, J-Bo uh, matching up against that SKC backline. I think that'll be really fun as well. Yeah, yeah I, I want I, I, I want a similar performance like what we did in leg one against the Flounders. There needs to be really good composure here uh, and get an advantage here at uh, Providence Park. Um, especially knowing that Children's Mercy Park is a difficult place to play. It it is extremely difficult to get points. The sporting really plays off of their crowd, much much like much like what we have here. So you're not gonna. You really really need to make sure that there is uh, an advantage when it comes time to play that leg too, and. 
you know, I'm not a huge fan of the MLS playoff schedule because, you know, it's been two and a half weeks since the team, the team played. So now you're going to play on Sunday and then you make a trip uh, trip on a Thursday to play League Two and then you've got another week and a half before MLS Cup. So, um, you know, I'm sure that Gio has been talking about tactics. The teams have been very busy coming up with ideas. Um, but really that first 15 to 20 minutes here at Providence Park is going to be key because I'm imagining sporting is going to want to try to take the Timbers out of the match you know, much like what the Flounders did. The Flounders got that early goal and were hoping, I think, to run the the Timbers out of the park and it just it didn't happen. The the Timbers countered and so that that is something that the Timbers will need to do in this series because it's not gonna be easy and there might be situations where they fall behind, but then, you know, show that resiliency that we've seen all year from this group. Yeah, I've got a buddy I went to college with who is a big SKC fan. And every time the Timbers run into the Wiz, he always gets in my DMs and he's uh he's he making making predictions. So if nothing else, I'd like to not have to hear about it from him for the next six months or so. Um, <laughs> I, I just I, you know I really feel like this is this is an incredible opportunity for the Timbers. So much. Um, is has been under flux you know in the past 12 months for the timbers and uh, to to be playing really well to be playing competitive soccer um and you know like there's there's what three matches left total mm-hmm. right um I oftentimes, you know, we've talked about this before on the pod, but I'm a, I, I sort of grew up a college football fan. Like I was a football fan before I was a football fan. And the way I've come to think about game played five of these, how many do I think they would win, you know? Um, and the unbelievable thing about these next three matches is like, uh, you know, against SKC, I think if we played them five times, we'd probably win two of those, maybe three. Um, I think typically they are at least as good as we are, and they have been for a long time. They're, they're a tough team to play. They are, if you know, uh, I'm trying to think of a nice way to say dirty. Um, but I, I, I really just feel like uh, it's pretty close to a coin flip the first time. It's pretty close to a coin flip the second time. And then in the last one, anything can happen, as we all learned in 2015. So... Um, you know, it's not that hard to flip a coin and get heads three times, you know. And uh, that, so that's going to be my approach, like unbelievable gratitude uh, for the for the year that we've had. And I don't think anyone was expecting this <laughs> with all the changes we had with uh, it being an even year, et cetera. Um, yeah, just just a ton of gratitude. Going to enjoy each of the matches that we have left. Hopefully we have three and uh, – will will yell really loud from my couch at the television and hope that that has some kind of cosmic impact. <laughs> cosmic impact. No, th- this has been this has been a fun fun ride and my hope is that it's not it's not over. Um you know, I mean unfortunately Sunday is the last match at Providence Park because we have no uh, ability to host the final 
so we're going to be traveling um, uh, should we advance. So um, I'm just really hoping for a wonderful kickoff for, uh, you know, send off for the building and then, hey, you know, next year we'll be here soon enough and we'll get to see the new parts of uh, Providence Park with uh, Tanner Creek and everything um, being done. Um, you know, soon enough. And that that's really going to change the complexion of that stadium quite a bit. Well, you say soon enough, but I, I'm pretty sure that the Timbers are going to start next year with another real long road stretch uh, as they finish up that construction. Oh, yeah. Just, uh, you know, I've, I've like, heard, yeah, I've heard rumblings. It'll probably be May before the uh, the opener unless something happens. You know, I don't, I don't know. I just, the the way that this the way that the schedule was set up was nice in the sense that you know we had a lot of we had that big home stretch there for a while um but I, i'm just going to be excited for a season where we can actually start with an actual home opener in march just you know oh yeah agreed so, so uh if you're looking for something fun to do in preparation for the upcoming uh, playoff match, go back and check out the hashtag Timbers14. <laughs> That's the one where they had people like going all over town looking at cardboard cutouts. Oh, uh, yeah. It, it's real fun. Uh, Kip, you reminded me of it earlier, actually, because you were talking about Andrew Greger. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember, like, I, I remember I tweeted something. I went back and found it. It says, "For all the excitement, read Timbers or hashtag Timbers fourteen. For my money, the best cardboard cutout is the Andrew Gregor. They've got co-hosting Timbers in thirty. Um, like, I remember <laughs> I put that, and then I went back and found that hashtag, and I've just been scrolling through it as we've been talking. It is, it's amazing. Uh, it's, it's really funny. Uh, Timbers history, yeah." Well, did you uh, did you traipse all over the city looking for cardboard cutouts to take a selfie with? Absolutely not. No. Kip, I haven't found you yet. Kip, are you on this? No, actually, I chose not to. Or uh, I don't. I'm. I don't. No, I don't think I ended up with any pictures. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> I remember when they were starting to promote it, and I was like. Oh, uh, I think I do like six or seven of these things, but 14 seems like a lot. <laughs> well, it was, it, to me, it was one of the more clever promotions. I mean, you know, the, the Sunderland match way back when they promoted that by giving away free tickets. If you found soccer balls around town and they hit them in various, various locations. And um, I, I give the Timbers, a lot of credit for having some extremely creative um, promotions and ways to um, really get folks hyped up for the matches. And, um, you know, Kayla, Kayla and her team now, I mean, we, we're so lucky to have a social team that is just so engaging and fun and they, they make covering the team and watching those videos so much fun. And, um, you know, my hope is we got lots of happy videos to watch over the next three matches.
as always, thanks for listening. We'll be back with another edition of Rose City Soccer Show. Speaking of non-sequiturs from the cutting room floor. Will, you want to get in here? Anything else? Uh, no, I'm just happy that we were able to get together and record this very special holiday episode of the Rose City Factor Show. Yeah. Uh, happy Turkey Day, massive quantities, and uh, all that. Massive quantities. See you too, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Kip, you got any good holiday plans? Uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000, the new season, starts on Netflix on Thursday.